is so good to have you here for our Pay Attention to Love Day. We're shifting things a little bit. One of our musicians, uh, Mari Breen Rossman, who many of you know, um, and who is a midwife, is at a birth. Um, so um, we are just filled with the love that is entering into the world at this moment, although not in a way that we can hear in this space. So we are... Uh, we're making things work with some amazing musicians, and we'll, we'll let you know as we go along what we'll be doing um, with each piece as we go through. But I think we'll start with opening words. These words come from poet Andrea Gibson. The poem is called, I Sing the Body Electric, Especially When My Power is Out. Say, this is my body. It is no one's but mine. This is my nervous system, my wanting blood, my half-tamed addictions, my tongue tied up like a ball of Christmas lights. If you put a star on the top of my tree, make sure it's the star that fell. Make sure it hit bottom like a tambourine, because all these words are stories. For the staircase to the top of my lungs, where I sing what hurts, and the echo comes back, bless your heart, bless your body, bless your holy kneecaps, they are so smart, you are so full of rain, there is so much growing, hallelujah to your weather vanes, hallelujah to the ache, to the pull, to the fall, to the pain, hallelujah to the grace, and the body and every cell of us all.
you so much, Susan and Coleman. And let's just like give them a hand for flexibility. And oh my goodness. We're making it work. We're making it work. Um, and, uh, and we'll have to, uh, hopefully Mari will be with us to sing the body electric later in our platform service. So you'll have to kind of keep in your own body and in your mind those beautiful words that Laura shared um, from the poem um, with a similar name. Well, welcome indeed to the Washington Ethical Society and to our Pay Attention to Love Day, which is the day each year that we set aside to notice love around us in many forms. I'm Amanda Poppy. I'm privileged to serve as the clergy leader here. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. And I'm so glad that you're with us this morning, whether you are here in the room or joining us on Facebook or online. Visitors and guests, we hope that you got a blue name tag so that we can welcome you and answer any questions that you might have. We really love talking about why this community is important to us, and we'd love to hear from you what you are looking for. We hope you'll join us after platform service today. Usually I say for coffee and cookies. Today I believe we will have several exciting and special treats after this platform service. The teens are making waffles, which we'll be able to smell soon. They also, I think, have some fruit set out, um, as well as the regular waffle toppings. And our younger children are decorating special pay attention to Love Day cookies. So, so many options to um, enjoy something delicious. We hope that you'll join us for that and that you'll get to know us a little bit. And that you'll share your email, if you will, in the yellow gold sheet that you can find at the welcome table or that was in your packet when you came in. You can drop that sheet in the collection basket when it passes later in our platform service. I'd love to invite you to check in on social media, let your friends and family know that you are here, and then I remind you to silence your electronic devices so you can be fully present this morning. Now I'd like to invite Joe Klein to come up and light our community candle. This month as we explore the theme of resilience, come on up Joe, we are um, honoring our pastoral care team um, of which Joe is a member. The pastoral care team works with Laura and with me to nurture a caring community among West members to coordinate meals and rides, visits, and other support for members with short-term needs. Anyone with a pastoral need of any kind is welcome and, in fact, encouraged to approach any team member, many of whom have these blue hearts on their name tag um, to request support. So, Joe, if you will first read our statement of purpose. The Washington Ethical Society is a humanistic congregation that affirms the worth of every person. We strive through our relationships to elicit the best in the human spirit. With faith in human goodness, we appreciate each person's unique capacities. We joyfully celebrate together and support each other through life. We nurture a sense of reverence and responsibility for each other and the earth. We invite you to join our community of children and adults as we work for a world where love and justice cross all borders. Thank you so much, Joe. As Joe lights our candle, I invite you to join in our candle lighting words. May we kindle within us the warmth of compassion, the light of understanding, and the fire of commitment to build a brighter future Thank you, Joe, and thank you to all of our pastoral care team. Each week we ring a chime in solidarity with people around the world. 
today, I am particularly mindful of the turmoil that primary season and election season causes. Feelings of uncertainty, worry, fear. We think today of all those around the world who fight to have a say in the governing of their country and count ourselves among them. As we listen to the chime, let us remember our connection to each other and the world around us. Let us hold in our hearts all that hurts in the world. And let us commit ourselves to all that calls for our work and our love. to invite you into a time of meditation. Center yourself in your seat, however that feels comfortable for you, perhaps placing a foot or both feet on the ground. Close your eyes if you'd like to or soften your gaze. Breathe in and out. As you breathe in, imagine your breath as light, filling up your body. As you breathe out, imagine that breath, that light, going everywhere. Use your imagination to fill every crook and cranny inside you. Your lungs and your veins, your whole body electric, filled with light. When you are filled up with that light, imagine as you breathe it out, the light surrounding you and everyone around you. Imagine a whole room filled with light. Breathing in and out in the silence, fill yourself and our world with light.
My voice walks into a room. I was going to start with, hello, it's me, but then I realized Adele already took that, and now you're all singing, and I don't have Adele's voice, and that's not the kind of voice I was talking about, so let's start over. My voice walks into a room. I'm sorry. I need to apologize first. I'm sorry if you find my words powerful, if they hit you in your heart, if they move you to tears, if you love them anyway. I'm sorry I write too much truth and not enough lies. My writing has always been too wild blackberry, warm black and full on top but red underneath, it packs a punch that will hit you just when you think it will go down easy. I'm sorry you can't read me like a comfort novel. My words skirt the fringes of comfortable, like watching a storm blow through, and I'm sorry if I leave you in the rain. My voice walks into a room, enters gently, almost unnoticed, my voice never was good at jokes, but can kill with some sarcasm. My voice walks into a room and she's quiet, feels tight in her cage of throat and skin. My voice splatters herself on paper, always more at home in two-dimensional black and white. My voice is a live and sleeping serpent scrawl of pen. My voice is truth-filled righteous banter is untapped, unleashed, unbound, revolutionary. So find the voice that comes from the deepest part of you, the one that knows your terrible scars and loves you endlessly. Find the voice that speaks without apology, all lemon sour, beautiful, rain through the weekend, amazing. We need a voice that raises hell if we're going to see ourselves through it. In astronomy, natural objects in space are called heavenly bodies. The only thing keeping us here is the pull of the revolution of our heavenly body. We crack under both weight and weightlessness, so when my voice enters a room, it is a revolution, and when your voice enters a room, it is a revolution, and we push and pull and cycle together as we turn and quake and know revolution is the key for our survival. Revolution is making it home when they tried to end you. Revolution is speaking it all in love and anger and fear. So for all the words I did not speak, forgive me. I spent so long running, speaking with bladed tongue, cutting myself to size, wondering why I did not answer, body forgive me. I let ghosts fill the empty spaces, wondered if impossibility was the only way to love myself, wondered if the only way I could be small enough was by not speaking, spirit forgive me. Today, my voice enters a room. Today, my name is woman. Today, 
my name is strong. Today, my name is compassion, is power, is poet. I build myself in expanding rings, rippling out towards forever. You will hear the names I speak. Truth, creation is here written possible. These spaces are not empty. When I speak, I hear only my voice. Amen. When I speak, I hear only my voice. Amen. I wonder how often we actually listen to our deep inner voice. You know the one. As I said in the poem, the one that knows your terrible scars and loves you endlessly. Singer and rapper Lizzo, because every discussion about self-love should absolutely start with Lizzo, said she was not always the self-love icon we know her to be. Rather, Lizzo said she had to look at all of her insecure look all of her insecurities in the face, call them by name, and fall in love with them. And this is exactly what I'm talking about in that poem. Naming, owning, and loving our insecurities is part of the revolution. Speaking the truths of our lives is part of the revolution. Loving ourselves in our bodies with our human frailties and our human voices is a revolution. Self-love is rooted in honesty, says Lizzo. We have to start being more honest about what we need and what we deserve and start serving that to ourselves. Sonia Renee Taylor is a poet, author, and activist who wrote a poem and a book which has really turned into a movement called The Body is Not an Apology. Taylor advocates for radical self-love, which she says is our inherent state of being, worthy and enough. Radical self-love is not a destination you are trying to get to, she says. It is who you already are, and it is already working tirelessly to guide your life. The question is, how can you listen to it more distinctly and more often? There's a billboard near my house with the words, love yourself, prominently displayed. I actually can't remember what is advertising. It's black with pink writing, so surely it's something for women. Yogurt, maybe. <laughs> or shoes. Jewelry, possibly, or a nail salon, but I'm really leaning hard towards the yogurt. Or soap. Advertisements encouraging self-love seem to be primarily selling yogurt and soap. And I don't know that I've ever seen an ad for anyone other than women encouraging self-love. I did a Google search about this, and apparently Axe, of body spray fame, had an ad sometime last year encouraging men to explore their masculinity, <laughs> which I guess has something to do with taking masculine baths. I'm not really sure. Regardless, it's apparent that the patriarchy hurts people of all genders. 
while I'm clear that my authentic self is not actually asking for yogurt or soap, popular, popular media would have us believe self-love is about treating ourselves, shopping, long baths with candles, chocolate. Society would like us to feel that self-care is something we deserve. You work hard, the advertisements tell us. You deserve our fancy yogurt or juicy hamburger or really good razor. Plenty has been written about the commercialization and commodification of self-care and about the, the way this reeks of socioeconomic privilege. One need not look much further than the examples I named above to understand this. Our cultural relationship with self-care and self-love is totally and undoubtedly messed up. Sonia Renee Taylor juxtaposes self-love not with self-hatred or low self-esteem or a lack of self-care, but with what she calls body terrorism. Body terrorism is the result of systems of oppression that separate us from our bodies. Racism, sexism, ableism, homo and transphobia, ageism, fatphobia are algorithms created by human struggle to make peace with the body, she says. A radical self-love world is a world free from the systems of oppression that make it difficult and sometimes deadly to live in our bodies. She believes that we are born with radical self-love, citing the wonder of babies discovering their feet and stating, you've never seen a self-loathing toddler. And that's because we came here clear that we are awesome. However, there is political and economic benefit to body terrorism and the self-doubt, depression, anxiety, low self-esteem it, it inspires. This is not only how companies sell yogurt, it is also how systems of oppression are perpetuated and maintain the status quo. Our self-love must be radical because it must be powerful enough to withstand the systemic and structural oppressions impacting bodies everywhere. Our self-love must be radical because we must love ourselves enough that we join in creating a world that demands justice for all bodies. Luckily, Taylor reminds us, you can have radical self-love because you are already radical self-love. You are already enough, just as you are. Radical self-love is already within you. It is our essence and our inherent state of being. In an interview on NPR, Lizzo said, I have to be able to start to answer, how do I love myself on the days when I hate myself? How do I love myself in a world that doesn't love me? How do I love myself in the face of systemic racism and misogyny? How do I love myself amid fat phobia? How do I love myself still? This type of honesty requires asking and answering the hard questions. It starts with hearing our voices, our own voices. If your voice were to walk into a room what would it say? What would it ask for? 
how would it ask? At the end of her book, Sonia Renee Taylor has a list of 10 tools for radical self-love. I recommend the entire book and certainly recommend checking out all 10 of her tools, but here are two of them. Tool number two is curb body bad mouthing. Radical self-love asks us to be our fullest selves. In the poem, I wrote, I build myself in expanding rings, rippling out towards forever. Talking badly about ourselves and our bodies, making ourselves smaller is one of the ways Making ourselves smaller is one way of perpetuating body terrorism in ourselves and in the world. Taylor says, how we speak about our bodies impacts how we experience our bodies. The more unflinchingly powerful we allow ourselves to be, the more unflinchingly powerful others feel capable of becoming. When we stop talking badly about ourselves and our bodies, we allow our radical self-love to ripple out powerfully into the world. Tool number four is meditate on a mantra. She encourages us to choose a mantra, an affirmation, that makes us ask, how dare I believe such an audacious thing about myself? We can use these affirmations to create new neural pathways that will move us in our journey towards understanding radical self-love. Perhaps I am a vessel of radical self-love. How dare I believe such an audacious thing about myself? Or I have the body I need to live my best life. How dare. I believe such an audacious thing about myself. Or maybe I am enough. When you came in, you should have received two hearts. I encourage you to take a moment and consider your voice. Listen carefully, maybe take a breath, and allow the voice of your radical self-love to come into the room. What audacious affirmation does it want you to believe? When you're ready, write your affirmation down on both of your hearts. And just hold on to them for now. What audacious thing can you believe about yourself?
having a moment. Mr. Rogers has been having a moment for decades. Those of us who grew up watching Mr. Rogers for decades knew what it was that he was trying to tell us, but he is telling us again through a documentary and a feature film, Mr. Rogers is back in our lives, if he ever left them. I have such particular memories of Mr. Rogers. I kind of feel like him today, actually. I do have a cardigan I even could have worn, but at least it's red. I have such memories of Mr. Rogers telling me what was important and inviting me to imagine a different world. And I have such memories of Mr. Rogers telling me that he liked me just the way I was. I have yet to see the feature film that's been in movie theaters, but I have heard about people going and about the audible sobbing throughout the theater for, I believe, essentially the entirety of the film. But perhaps particularly when Mr. Rogers speaks to us. This Pay Attention to Love Day, we are thinking not as we sometimes do about love of family or love of friends or love of romantic partners, all the different ways that we are in relationship with others in our lives. We are thinking instead about what it means to love ourselves. One of the core Tenets, the core values of ethical culture, is the worth of every person. And I find that people are most challenged by that when applying it to themselves. They are quick and happy to be able to look around and say, oh, yes, that person is worthy, and yes, that person is worthy, and yes, that person, if I really think about it hard and have like 20 minutes of meditation first, I think they're worthy too. <laughs> But especially when life is going wrong for us, it can be hard to remember that that is supposed to be true about us, too. There is a favorite article of mine by Rabbi Elliot Kukla. Uh, Rabbi Kukla wrote for the New York Times about um, about her experience um, with, I'm so sorry, I actually don't know Rabbi Kukla's pronouns, so we're just going to say Rabbi Kukla a lot because I didn't do my research. Um, Rabbi Kukla wrote about um, their experience with chronic illness and the challenge of having been a productive person who was no longer able to produce in the same way. They were diagnosed with systemic lupus, and they wrote this. I had once measured my worth by my capacity to produce things and experiences, to be productive at work, to share my responsibilities at home, to show up equally in my friendships and rack up achievements. Being sick has been a long, slow detox from capitalist culture and its mandate that we never rest. Slowly, I found a deeper value in relationship beyond reciprocity, 
I want to say that again. Relationship beyond reciprocity. An unconditional love and care based in justice. And a belief that all humans deserve relationship, whether regardless of whether we can offer anything measurable back. Clara spoke so beautifully about the importance of loving ourselves. I think about a community like this one being a place where we help each other do that very hard thing. Where we remind each other to love ourselves. Where we remind each other that we are each worthy. You are worthy, every one of you. I was in Clearwater, Florida um, for a few days this past week. Clearwater is the, um, the home of sort of home base of Scientology in America, which I had not realized before going to Clearwater. Um, there's a huge, as we drove in from the airport, um, we drove past this building and I said to my husband, why is there a castle in Clearwater? <laughs> It's the cathedral that has been built, sort of the center of Scientology. And I met, um, uh, while I was there, with Ed Erickson, who is the second leader here at the Washington Ethical Society. Ed is 91 now and lives in Florida half the year. And, um, and so I got to see him at his home there, which was um, a treat for me. And he told me about when he first came here to the Ethical Society, having received a letter from L. Ron Hubbard, the founder of Scientology, saying, I heard that the Ethical Society just won a tax case, which was true, um, being able to identify itself as a religion based on ethical principles. And I have started something very similar to that and wonder if you could offer advice. Ed said that it was one of the regrets of his life that he had just sort of put that letter in the trash. He wished he had saved it <laughs> in retrospect. And so I was thinking with my husband about um, Scientology and ethical culture and how in some ways there are some similarities there. Both of them are invite you into mindfulness and begin at least with a thinking about how we live in the world. They are not necessarily metaphysical. They can be non-theistic and compatible with other religious traditions. And I said I see where he was going with that letter and the similarities. And Peter said to me, um, Yes, but the difference is, so you have Peter to thank for the fact that we're not now just becoming a Scientology congregation. <laughs> Peter said to me, the difference is, though, that Scientology says something about you is inherently wrong, and we can help you figure out the way to fix it through auditing and clearness work. An ethical culture, I said, I did have an idea, Ethical culture tells you that something about you is inherently right. Not wrong at all. Inherently right. And what we can do together is bring that out even more, allow it to flourish, remind you that it's there. I think about all of us who have been told in religions or by families or by friends that something about us is wrong and what it means to be part 
of a community and part of a tradition that says, no, no, you are right in your core. You might make wrong choices sometimes. You might need help remembering you are right. But deep inside, that's what you are, inherently right, inherently worthy. Our faith statement is that love, the worth that each one of us holds. And our work in this community is to remember it ourselves and to remind each other. I invite you now, if you would like to, to take one of your hearts and to share it with someone near you. Someone you came in with or someone you have never met before. Keep one for yourself and share the other. It seems that our baby, I think of it as our baby now, is still being born. And so we'll, um, we'll share I Am Light. And Susan, who is playing the piano for us this morning, is going to um, lead a little singing. If you know I Am Light, the India Ari song, I invite you to sing along. I will be. I'm going to get the words wrong and the tempo off. And I know I'm worthy anyway, and so are you. So um, is this working? Yeah, good. I, I'm, gonna, I'm going to uh, sing the thing that I hope everyone will join in with. It goes like this. It's very simple. I am light. do that a lot of times and eventually you'll learn to sing it and you can sing it better. <laughs> right. And it's a little high for me. I have like this arranged it's like this. Okay. All right, here we go. I am light, I am light. I am light, I am
mistakes that I have made or any of the things that cause me pain. I am not the pieces of the dream I left behind. I am light. 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 I am not the color of my eyes. The skin on the outside. I am not my age. I am not my race. My soul inside is all light. I am light. I am Thank you, Susan. We take time during our service to offer our own voices into the morning. If you would like to share, I invite you to raise your hand and start with your name. And you might consider sharing either the affirmation that you wrote or the one that was shared with you.